0: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and strategies to shake up the status quo in human resources and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Today's Buzz D&I for the uninitiated... Diversity and inclusion, a very, very important topic. Let's talk about it. Is your organization's depth and breadth of diversity? You know it's not just gender anymore. It's not just age. It's not just ethnicity or religion. It's abilities. It's so much more experience, all kinds of things. Is it keeping pace with that of your customers and prospects They want to do business with people like themselves. Here's a heads up for you, a couple of facts to write down. By 2014, guess what? That's coming up in just a few weeks. The workforce will include four generations. And even more important, almost half will be younger than 35. Pardon me while I do an OMG. And by 2024, 10 years from next year, over a billion women will have such economic power. They will comprise the third most economically powerful emerging market behind countries, India and China. Are you ready? Are your DNI policies and practices ready to embrace this diversity? I have a panel of amazing experts today who are going to help you figure it out. And if you're not ready... They'll tell you how you can get ready. Let me tell you the quotes they sent me on this topic, and then we'll get to meet them in just a moment. First up on the panel will be Jim Norman. He's an HR and diversity consultant with a mega bio of experience at Kraft Foods. I'll tell you about him in a minute. And he says, to reach out effectively to recruit and retain diverse talent, guess what? Reach deeply inside your organization. That could be a revelation. We'll find out from Jim in a moment what he means by that. Joining us today also is Tony Wilson from... From Aqua International Leadership Consulting. I love that name. She says, quoting Maya Angelou, we love Maya Angelou, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did but people will never forget how you made them feel. Oh, words of wisdom so true. We'll hear from Tony in a moment. Joining us is our friend on SAP Radio hasn't been on in a while. Always thrilled to have him on, our Ray Wong. He lets me call him Ray from Constellation Research, and he has a very interesting quote. 52% of the Fortune 500 have disappeared since 2000. That's only 13 years ago. Where will your business be in 2015? That's only two years from now. We'll find out from Ray why he chose this. The statistic to open the show and rounding out the panel is Debbie Schmidt from SAP who quotes Madeline Albright. Here's an interesting one. It took me a long time to develop a voice and now that I have it, I am not going to be silent. I think I said that too, Debbie, not only Madeline Albright because here I am. So join us for the next hour for more very, very, very sharp insights on diversity and inclusion outreach beyond imagination. Welcome to HR Trends with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Today is Tuesday, December 3rd. Where has the year gone? We are live and I have to tell you this is the final episode of our 13-week series called HR Trends with Game Changers. But fret not, such good topics, such great guests. They're going to renew the series and we're coming back on March 25th, 2014. Next week in this spot, we start a brand new series called Biz Buzz with Game Changers. You don't want to miss that one either. So let's start finding out who our panelists are today and by the way please join brian and sap and i think ray wong is out here and james and casey they're tweeting at hashtag sap radio so please join the fun and tweet about today's show I'd like to welcome first up Jim Norman. Jim spent more than 30 years with Kraft Foods, where he was appointed Director of Diversity for Kraft Foods North America all the way back in January 2001. He now works as a human resources and diversity consultant for organizations that are seizing effective, innovative, and inclusive culture change. Jim has also served as President of the Employment Management Association Foundation. He was VP at large for the Employment Management Association and on the Advisory Council for the American Institute for Management diversity i think diversity is your middle name welcome jim norman how are you today i'm
2: doing just fine thank you
1: thanks for joining me looking forward to hearing from you jim where are you calling from today
2: calling from chicago it's a bit cloudy threatening rain but we're remaining optimistic and excited to be here
1: well, we have, I'm glad we have beautiful sunshine, blue skies here in New York. I'm going to send them westward toward you. You'll get them a little bit after the show. Okay, Thank I'll you. do my best. You're welcome. Let's also talk to Tony Wilson. Tony is the principal of Aqua International Leadership Consulting. Tony has over 25 years of experience in HR with leading international and domestic companies. She's been an instructor, this is interesting, for the HR certification program for the University of California at Berkeley Extension. She also teaches currently in HR management certification program at the university of texas in austin she gets around tony has held senior executive and management positions in hr diversity organizational development and learning and development with Syntex pharmaceuticals the gap california state AAA that's automobile association and levi strauss and company what a bio tony wilson welcome how are you today i'm excellent thank you very much for asking I'm glad. Where are you calling from, Tony? I'm actually in Arkansas and
3: I am uh, hoping that it's not going to snow and that I'll be able to get back to Austin tomorrow.
1: Okay, well, it sounds like snow is, is in the works there. Well, we'll send a little sunshine and dry weather your way. Thanks so much for joining us today, Tony. And let's turn to Ray Wong. Ray, is principal. Ray, do I have to tell people who you are after all this time? Principal analyst, founder, and chairman of Constellation Research. He is also the author of the very popular enterprise software blog, A Software Insider's Point of View. With millions of uh, millions of page views a year, Ray's blog provides insight into how disruptive technologies and new business models, I think that's what we're talking about about today, Impact the Enterprise. Ray also advises Global 2000 companies on business strategy and technology selection. He's a regular contributor to Harvard Business Review. He's well quoted in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Bloomberg, CNBC, Reuters, IDG News, and other outlets. You're a busy guy. How are you, Ray?
4: I'm really good. How are you doing?
1: I'm wonderful. So nice to talk to you. It's been, what, almost a year, I think?
4: It's been a while. It's been since
1: the last trends piece, I think. I know, and you sent us uh, Holger Mueller, and you sent us Alan Lepofsky this year for some of our shows for HR Trends. Thank you. Ray, where are you calling from, and what's the weather? You know what I want.
4: I'm in Lana but it's soupy, foggy, and uh, hopefully going to warm up a little.
1: I hope so, too, but it is winter, Ray. Come on, it's December, so what can we hope for? Thanks for joining me, and let's round out the panel with Debbie Schmidt. She's the Chief Operating Officer, COO, and Head of Transformation Office for SAP's Global Strategic Industries. That unit comprises retail, financial services, public services, and telco. Debbie's a member of SAP's Global Leadership Team for Strategic Industries. She previously served as, she loves the title COO. She was COO and Head of Transformation Office for Financial Services. She's also an active executive sponsor for the SAP Business Women's Network and a member of the SAP Global Customer Operations Diversity Committee. I want to hear about that. Debbie volunteers as a mentor to SAP employees, and she's part of Mentium, a corporate mentoring organization. Welcome, Debbie Schmidt. How are you today? Very good. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Where are you calling from, Debbie? Debbie?
5: I'm actually calling from Philadelphia. A few hours ago I was in Chicago, but now I'm in Philly in our corporate headquarters.
1: You get around. Glad to have you on the phone. Is your weather like mine crisp and blue skies and beautiful here on Long Island?
5: I think it's a little overcast here.
1: I don't Oh, I stole the like sunshine. <laughs> We stole the sunshine. I'm sorry about that. New York, thank you. Okay, let's go into our opening monologue. Let's take these quotes apart. Jim Norman, HR and diversity consultant. To reach out effectively to recruit and retain diverse talent, and our topic is D&I Outreach Beyond Imagination today, Jim. Reach deeply inside your organization. Tell me, Jim, why should people reach inside their organization? What will they find?
2: Well, the first thing I think... taking advantage of the strong relationships inside the organization, building strong strategic partnerships that leverage your employee resource groups if you have them, strong Mm -hmm. forms, uh, tight connections with your talent acquisition teams, as well as engage your leaders and employees to recruit new talent to the organization and help retain and develop that talent.
1: Interesting. Do you think that people, organizations today, Jim, have hidden diversity? They haven't even tapped, that perhaps they're not getting people to speak enough about their diverse experience, about their backgrounds, that perhaps they are rich in D&I, they just don't know it? Is that a possibility?
2: I think that's true. Um, as we've uh, increased kind of the workload and more technology, we've taken kind of conversation and dialogue out of the organization and less of an opportunity to really explore the backgrounds, experiences, and perspectives of employees. So we've got to find ways to do a better job of that consistently to drive innovation.
1: I think we just had our first aha moment of the show, and I know one of the other guests talks about we are almost dehumanizing the workforce with automation. I think that's something Ray told me before the show, but we'll get to that later. Thank you, Jim. Good revelations. Tony Wilson, you quoted the wonderful Maya Angelou. I've learned that people will forget what you said. They'll forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. It still matters. Tony, talk to me.
3: Um, I chose that that quote because um, diversity and inclusion is about... Uh, an experience that not only employees have, but customers have as well. And the extent to which people feel um, valued, feel acknowledged, um, feel that they are treated with respect, I think is a direct correlation to the extent that they um, engage and give you 200%. In the case of the consumer, um, whether they become loyal to your brand, loyal to your product, loyal to your company. So how we make people feel is important.
1: Tony, does that go back to my comment in my monologue when I opened the show? I said people want to do business with people like themselves. Is that what we're talking about?
3: Yeah, and they want to feel that um, the person that they're dealing with on the other end of the phone or the person across from them in the room understands who they are, what they want, what's important to them, and that what they have to say um, is is meaningful and relevant.
1: Yes, I, I think Seth Godin at some point in one of his uh, many books and diatribes said something like, we want to matter. That's what social networking is all about. We want to matter. We want people to care who we are. Thank you very much. Ray Wong, let's get to this very powerful statistic. It's almost scary. 52% of the Fortune 500 have disappeared since 2000, and you pose the question, where will your business be in 2015? Relate this to diversity for me, please, Ray Wong.
4: This is really important we 're seeing massive changes in organizations, and part of the reason is there hasn 't been a diversity of ideas there hasn 't been a diversity of um, thought processes and what that 's done is that 's turned these companies into stale monolithic companies that haven 't been agile that haven 't been able to respond to changing trends, changing work dynamics, and all this plays a big role and, and this is everything from digital proficiency to you know cultural diversity to you know just different ways of looking at things. You don't want a place that's all engineers or a place that's all poets. I mean, you need a good mix to really be agile enough.
1: I want to see the workplace with the engineers and the poets mixed in, Ray. I think that would be a very <laughs> interesting place to work. But but more to the point, I think it was you who told me before the show something about we, we really automated the workforce. And is, is that, do you agree with uh, what Jim and Tony were saying, that we really aren't having conversations with people in terms of what is the diversity that's already inside the organizations? And perhaps if we don't know what we have, Ray, how will we know what we want to bring on board? Talk to me about that for just a moment
4: that's a great point we're seeing that in all different areas let's just take one thing such as age Right, There's a lot of knowledge inside organizations and we're not even being able to mentor individuals across the board. So new hires, mentored with people that have been seasoned um, employees for the last 30-40 years, bringing them together to kind of share those experiences and actually move an organization forward. If you take for example um, the talent and the richness of individuals and what their other pursuits are, we're all put into little boxes based on the talent or based on the job and role we're in but it doesn't allow us to expand and grow our careers with other talents that we you might bring to the table so understanding what is inside an organization is very important
1: i have to tell you ray in the panel that a little over two and a half years ago one of my managers said to me bonnie you do radio as a hobby don't you would you evaluate a proposal we received to advertise on an internet radio show and i looked at the proposal and i said give me a week i came back with a proposal to guess what start SAP Game Changers Radio. Here we are, two and a half years later. I now am on the Media Channels team as of December 1st. Radio is my full-time job. We've had over 160 hours of programming and over 500 guests, and I'm thrilled. So somebody was listening, Ray. Somebody somebody (laughs) asked me about what I brought to the table, which had nothing to do with why I was hired. And here we are. So it is alive and well, but maybe not enough. Thank you for indulging me that anecdote, Debbie Schmidt. You probably didn't know that that about me debbie you quoted madeline albright it took me quite a long time to develop a voice and now that i have it i am not going to be silent i bet that's the way she said it talk to me about how madeline albright's quote fits our topic debbie schmidt
5: well when i think of um diversity um i really focus in on inclusion which is making sure that we recognize and embrace difference that we make it okay to be different that we leverage different perspectives And while you can embrace difference, it's really, really critical that people have different points of view and are willing to share and communicate that. So when I think about this quote, I I think about meetings that I've been in where people clearly had a different point of view, a different experience, a different perspective, and were uncomfortable to share that in a larger audience. And as a result, I would argue the result was suboptimal. And I think it's really, really important for all of us to have a point of view to develop a voice and really be true to yourself and, and not be afraid to share that. And so it's a little bit about the individual and it's also about the culture of the organization making it okay to share that different point of view.
1: Great points, Debbie. And I want to bring up just before we go to break, we're just about ready for our our break. We're going a little long. Debbie, I think Ray mentioned age as an example of diversity. Do you find in your travels through, through the diversity world and all of your, your learnings in the HR world, Debbie, do you find that the younger generations, not just millennials but Gen X as well as Y, they're willing to have that voice, to use their voice, to not be silent? They don't want to be silent. Do you find that there's, there's more of an energy in terms of this is what I have to say, I work here, I want you to listen to me? What, what's your finding?
5: Uh, I would say, yes, the early talent, younger generation. What I love about most of the individuals that I encountered in that age bracket is that uh, to a certain extent they're fearless, and they are very um, willing to share their point of view and perspective. I will caution, though, this kind of goes back to the culture of the organization. Uh, if you shut them down, if uh, once or twice, They will not be as willing to share their different point of view or perspective. So, And I think that is consistent regardless of age.
1: Debbie, is that their ego talking or is that just their, hey, I'm here, you better pay attention to me and I'll take my voice somewhere else, maybe to social media. Give me quickly. What do you think?
5: I think the, sometimes the organization makes it not okay or makes it uncomfortable to share your point of view or your perspective, whether it's based on your lack of experience or title or, you know, there's a whole variety of reasons
1: pecking order and perhaps people aren't ready to hear their point of view. Aha, guess what? I have a point of view and it says, it's time for our first break. It's almost 20 after. You're listening to HR Trends with Game Changers. Great panel. I'm speaking today with Jim Norman, an HR and diversity consultant. Tony Wilson, Aqua International Leadership Consulting. Tony, when we come back, I want you to tell me during coffee break how you named your company. Ray Wong from Constellation Research and Debbie Schmidt from SAP. Our topic of the day, DNI diversity 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 and inclusion. Outreach beyond imagination. Now imagine this. You're not gonna touch your mouse, your app, your dial, your phone, you're gonna keep listening because we're coming back with lots more. Bread out (music)
0: it comes to business, you'll find the experts here, Voice America Business Network. With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise today's reality. Your HR department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR trends with Game Changers.
1: To report that we've got Brian Barnhart from SAP supporting HR Trends today. He's doing an amazing job tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio, and he just reported early talent and younger generations are fearless. They're willing to share their perspectives. Don't shut them down. So we've quoted you Debbie, there you are, for, for prosperity. Uh, well, for perpetuity, we'll use that word. Let's find out what my guests are drinking today. I can't wait. Jim Norman, what's in your cup today, or what do you wish you were drinking? Tell me. Got
2: a, got a nice hot cup of Javalia spiced chai tea, but my best cup is actually what was not in my cup, what was in my cup, but what was around my cup. That was an afternoon in Monterey with my bride of 27 years, and a chai latte. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's such a sweet story. And I had some chai spice decaf tea at a Thanksgivica dinner last week. That was because Thanksgiving and the first night of Hanukkah coincided, which will not happen again, as you may know, in 79,000 years. I don't care. And anyway, chai spice tea was just delicious. So thank you for that, Jim. And congratulations on 27 years. I think that's one of the world's records. Tony Wilson, Aqua International Leadership Consulting. First tell me what's in your cup and then tell me what does what does Aqua International mean?
3: Okay, so what's in my cup is a skinny, double-tall hazelnut latte. Ooh, ooh delicious. Ooh. <laughs> my favorite, favorite, favorite drink, obviously from Starbucks.
1: Yes, as thank for,
3: you. Uh, <laughs> as for <laughs> the name of my company, uh, it's Aqua International. Aqua is the Spanish word for water, and mm-hmm. my logo is um, a drop of water on a pond, and it's uh, an image that captures the ripple effect. And it's, 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 for me, it's the opportunity to, to touch people, to touch organizations, to touch teams, uh, to do that in a way that enables them to make a difference as well as for me to learn from the differences that they make.
1: So, That's lovely. That's it. lovely. I'm thinking of the drop of water could have been in your cup, but the drop of water for Aqua International, that would have been a pretty powerful drop. Thank you, Tony, so much. Ray Wong, what are you drinking? And I never asked you, how did you name Constellation Research? So first the cup and then the Constellation. Ray?
4: What's in the cup? We've got a cow, yes. Lennox Park uh, hot spicy chocolate, and uh, it's a good hot chocolate, so it's warming me up. Mm. As for Constellation, our whole point was to really bring together a number of stars, um, people that were personal brands and bring them together and really share that and then build an ecosystem of companies that were doing disruptive things. So that's why we've named it Constellation.
1: I love that. I never asked you. Well, I've known you a couple of years, Ray. And I never thought of a Constellation of Stars. Very, very nice. Could have been anything. That's good. And Debbie Schmidt, what are you drinking today? I'm actually drinking a
5: cup of Argo. Green tea white jasmine, which is a blended tea. And it's my favorite tea.
1: Ooh, does it have a brand name so people can find it, Debbie?
5: Yeah, it's from Argo, A R G O, which is kind of okay. a little boutique tea place, uh competitor to Starbucks. But they specialize. Okay. In
1: tea. <laughs> oh, we goodness. wish them well. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's good to know. I'll go look for it. And by the way, Brian says, what's in your cup he's drinking? Also, spiced chai tea. And Ray knows my answer to what is Bonnie drinking today. They never let me have caffeine on radio show days. So there you go. The rest is just just filtered water. That's all I get on show days. So let's dive into our roundtable conversation today. I want to start with Jim Norman. We've been talking about the people inside the organization, talking about what organizations need to do to beef up the diversity and especially the inclusion. If you don't talk to people, you don't know whether you have diversity right there under your nose. So, Jim Norman, you said to me before the show, to engage candidates from the interview to the job offer, create what you call an interview ambassador. So let's do what we say is start at the very beginning, before the person even gets the job offer. What's an interview ambassador, Jim Norman?
2: An interview ambassador is someone in the organization that you've identified To support the recruiting effort they could have similarity to the candidate in race and gender but it could also be in background and experience and I'll give an example of that they are the person that could reach out to the candidate before they come on site while they're on site and then after they leave prior to offer and then upon receiving the offer there are a number of assessments that a candidate makes of an organization and questions that a candidate has about the organization that don't get asked in the formal interview and they have no outlet for that, the interview mm. ambassador can be a great resource for that individual. Very uh, an interesting. That I,
1: Yes, please. An Go example
2: ahead. that I could share is uh, we recruited uh, in, into the organization uh, an African American female who actually was from the auto industry, so into consumer packaged goods and actually into Nabisco at the time. We connected her with A senior director, white male, who also came from the automotive industry Mm. and had relocated to the area. So they could talk about the experience of that, the differences in culture, the differences that, you know, one would experience moving from auto to CPG, particularly cookies. Uh, And later that ambassador became also a mentor and a coach for the individual to help them make a successful transition. So help in supporting retention later on
1: very interesting approach you're saying get the conversation started but with the people who are primed and prepped and perfect to have that conversation in the first place because of shared experiences and and commonalities that they can open each other up very interesting Tony Wilson you made a similar comment to me you said how companies source recruit and assess talent will depend more on understanding the internet persona of potential candidates this is an interesting extension living out loud has its rewards and consequences share with us Tony please how how this does or doesn't relate to what Jim said, but in particular, what do you call the Internet persona of potential candidates? I'm fascinated.
3: Well, it started out with MySpace. It moved to Facebook. Now it's LinkedIn. And these are now sources that companies use to do a little research on potential candidates. And who we are and how we show up face-to-face is going to look and sound very different when it's online, and I think that, that I'm, for instance, if I use myself as an example, I'm very protected uh, and guarded and um, specific and particular about my image on the Internet mm-hmm. because companies will begin to look at the kinds of things you write about, the comments that you make, your opinions, to size you up as a potential match for not only the position but the organization. And so I think that that your Internet persona can work for you or against you, and we have to be very thoughtful and mindful about what we look like online.
1: Great point of view, great information. Ray Wong, I want you to chime in on this one. It's not one of your discussion points, but I know you have something to say about it. What, What do you think about this Internet persona of candidates? Do the Gen Yers and Gen Xers really get this yet, Ray? Is it harming them that they don't get it? (laughs) Hehehe <laughs> I, I think we need to hello.
4: look at this really differently, all right? We typically talk about these generations of workers being millennials and Gen Y and Gen X. I actually think that's the a wrong way to look at it. I think okay. you want to look at it by digital proficiency. And you've got digital natives. People grew up with the internet. They could be 50, they could be 10, they could be 18, it doesn't matter. And you've got digital immigrants, you've got digital voyeurs, you've got digital <laughs> holdouts, and you've got digitally disengaged, right? Now, if you fit within any one of those five categories, you might react differently to the statement that you just made so if you're a digital native you're like yeah whatever privacy okay whatever but if you're completely <laughs> digitally disengaged you're like oh god this is horrible you're leaving a trail you're leaving this awful digital exhaust that's going to come back and haunt you <laughs> right and I, I think it's really by how proficient you are with the digital world um, that you start to realize this now Personally, I wouldn't leave anything there because I grew up in a world where that was not necessary. You want to leave that kind of trail of you know, what you were doing, partying the night before and having mm-hmm. the pictures all over the place. That's not what you want to do. But, but I think it is going to become an issue. But I think it changes based on an organization's culture and how digitally proficient they're going to be.
1: Ray, do you think some of the impact of how the organization recruits goes to the persona of the recruiter the man or woman who is doing the hiring, who is doing the job searching, in other words, their own experience, their own point of view, POV if you m- don't mind that, uh, will flavor how they feel if they maybe have been burned by a bad experience on Facebook or some of their kids have. Might they look askance at certain types of Internet persona? Do you think there's. I'm getting down to the really deeply personal level. Ray, can you address that just for a minute, please?
4: It is, and I think it makes a big difference. What Jim was talking about earlier about having the ambassadors, I think that makes a lot of sense because when you're recruiting, reading from that perspective, or when you're bringing people in mm-hmm. from that perspective, and also having someone else to relate with you, you can see exactly what those cultural norms and values are. And and these cultural norms and values are, are around digital proficiency, not necessarily you know about you know work ethics, values, those kind of things. I think people look at things differently based on those experiences.
3: May I Thank may you, make a comment? This is Tony. Yes, make please, make Tony. Comment? Go ahead. Because mm-hmm. I I think what I want to do is to to push back a little bit. Because in order for the candidate to get to the interview, there's some recruiter who's already gone online to look them up on LinkedIn, to look them up on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And if, in that individual's opinion, this is a candidate that they don't think is going to be a good fit for the culture, or they, their their persona is one that does not add value in a positive way to the organization's reputation, then I think that... that the internet and and your your persona could in fact Prevent you from even getting to the interview. That's 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 my my point. That's my. And that primer. was what
1: I was trying to bring up too. Is is the person who's doing the first effort at looking, the first search. Thank you, Tony. Debbie Schmidt. We have to get you in on this, but I want to have you add a historical perspective, please, Debbie. You told me attempts to encourage workplace diversity in the U.S. go back to the early 1960s, 50 years ago, when affirmative action was first introduced to protect races, religions, and later female workforce so debbie talk to us a little bit about do you think we've made progress and and how does the digital age impact this ability to diversify the workforce debbie
5: so uh do i think we made progress yes i do um do i think we made as much progress as i think we should have absolutely not and this kind of gets back to um earlier i can't recall who mentioned it it's The difference between policy and practice I mean there were many attempts that were really trying to regulate and force diversity which you can that's basically quota filling but that doesn't get us to an inclusive environment where we're recognizing and embracing different points of view and perspective to get to a better outcome and if you look at the internet or the impact of the internet um, I think I have a, a couple points that I would make that Mm-hmm. tie off on what Tony said and what Ray said and, and Jim as well. I think when we look at the Internet and we look at technology and how technology is changing the way we can run and operate our businesses, um, I, I think more and more we don't necessarily have to see people. And so we have no idea what uh, someone's Ethnic background is or, or cultural background in many instances. It's just about getting the job done through the technology or through the role. So I think just through the natural evolution of how we conduct business, it's easier to create diversity, at least from my point of view. But what I will add to that is where we are actually going through the recruiting process and interviewing and attracting people, I still think we hire people who are just like us. And I, I find in many of the organizations that I work with, if it is... 40-year-old white men doing the majority of the hiring, (laughs) a lot of the hires are 40-year-old white men, unless there is really a culture in that organization that truly embraces difference and makes it safe to be different.
1: Interesting. Interesting. I'm going to make a comment here, and then I'm going to open it up to everybody. Uh, I was asking at the beginning of the show, talking about how people want to do business with people like themselves. Debbie, you've taken it internal to the organization, said people want to hire and work with people like themselves. So that goes to the point of if you don't have diversity in the company, and the recruiters, the hirers, the HR managers, the leaders in the teams that need to recruit only want to work with people like themselves, and they're not like the larger population now, Outside, which would be perhaps the suppliers and the marketers and the prospects and your established base or your customers you already have who are, or the new customers coming in the door, then you're going to have a major gap because <laughs> wanting to do business with people like themselves, but if those people aren't already in the organization, you're not going to recruit the people like themselves. So we've got it themselves inside the door and we've got it themselves outside the door. Ray, I think I heard you laughing. Talk to me.
4: No, I think it's really important. I think what we're missing right now is is really what we're seeing is a gap between what we're calling around execution and performance. And, and I think that what you're talking about here addresses that. That's, that's why I'm kind of laughing because this, this is a topic that keeps coming up.
1: Okay, Jim Norman, talk to me about this. What do you think? You're talking about all of the ways to help recruit the interview ambassadors. You talk about buddies. How does this help if you don't already have that diversity inside? How are you going to bring it in if you don't have the right people to talk to, unlike unlike them, candidates? Jim?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's it's probably a lot richer than just kind of what I can see. So when I when when I look at someone or a consumer kind of looks at the organization, yeah, certainly on you know they look and say do I see anyone in that organization like me but also they're looking at what you're delivering what product it is what your communication is so does your communication resonate with me I think Tony made that reference earlier do do I feel that you share my values and and until you can kinda get what I'll call the representation because we've used the word representation well we Mm -hmm. use the word diversity many times what we really meant was representation um... And so until you get the representation, you can share and and understand values of another. That is possible because we're all human. So once we get to that essence, I think that's the reason in many ways we get challenged when we talk about global diversity. You know, people outside of the U.S. don't want to talk to us because they say, you're only talking about like one dimension at a time, not in its complexity. So I think there is a way to... For people, I mean, think about many of us that are on this panel. We came into organizations that didn't look like us, and many of us survived and even thrived in those organizations and have deep friendships and relationships in those organizations because we shared values, experiences, and sometimes backgrounds that were very similar, that were bigger than our race and our gender. And I I think we've got to keep looking for that. That's the future of where we're going because you won't be able to tell by looking at someone whether they're like you or not.
1: Exactly. Thank you, Jim. Ray, I want, to, I want to expand this conversation a little bit, if I may, to the panel. Ray, let's talk about the strategic value of HCM, human capital management. Companies may be hiring less, but each person will be more valuable in terms of the value of what you're paying them and what they can do for the company for a period of time. So you say the quality of each hire is increasing, and organizations are starting to see the strategic value of HCM. So, does this go against diversity, Ray? Are people, are companies saying, gee, we have a limited budget to hire, we need somebody who's really digitally astute and they're really going to get the culture, they're going to come in and hit the ground running? Eh, diversity, maybe not so much. Is this, are these opposing priorities, Ray Wong? What do you think?
4: No, I don't think they're opposing priorities. I think as companies expand and they reach out to new markets, this diversity is even more important um, in terms of how do you approach a business model, um, what values do you bring to the organization, um, what cultural constraints or uh, cultural additions can you add, you know, to a perspective um, in terms of also understanding, you know, different types of work styles or approaches to problems. And this is why I was talking about: poets and engineers all being in the same room. I mean, you traditionally, you know, people are cranking out information and, and they're taking. A very scientific approach. You know, maybe they should take a more liberal arts, more classical approach in terms of, you know, solving a problem or understanding an argument or communicating more effectively. All these are starting to happen in different organizations, and people can see the shift. Now, the companies that understand this shift and change, those are the ones that are pushing forward to make sure that you know every hire they make counts. Um, because they're not making as many hires, and especially on a replacement side, they're not making as many replacement hires to fulfill the gaps that have happened from the baby boomers.
1: Thank you, Ray. Debbie Schmidt, I want to hear what you have to say on this. Please join us. Uh, so I think uh,
5: a couple things. One is um, I see more and more organizations are starting to recognize the, diff- the importance of inclusion And some organizations, for example, SAP, have invested heavily in programs to educate the leadership team on gender intelligence, which is one aspect of creating an inclusive environment, recognizing that physiologically women and men are wired differently and we think differently. And we see it when we come back from a customer meeting and we do a debrief and the women bring up points that completely – um, went past the men, and vice versa. And so just in little instances, the more we can help educate our leaders about what difference looks like, um, the better we are able to service and deliver value to our customers, the better we're able to lead our,
3: our teams
1: very interesting. I, I want to bring up one of your talking points as well, Debbie, and I'm going to ask the whole panel to talk about this. You say diversity and inclusion are not burdens to bear. They're vital for a company's long-term future. Let's talk about attitude coming from the top. Change will not happen unless it comes from the top. But if D&I, diversity and inclusion, are seen as a burden. Oh god, we have to do this as a law about this and and our our customers are asking for this do we really have to do we really have to? So how do you change the mindset of people at the top of any organization and Debbie we talk to our audience of all kinds of companies all sizes from startups all the way up to big behemoth enterprises around the world. So let's talk about the burden to bear. Is this something that is seen as less of a burden for the smaller company, perhaps the startup, the entrepreneurial phase of business, or is it seen by the larger, more entrenched companies? Oh, damn, do we really have to do this? What's, what do you observe, Debbie Schmidt? And then I'm going to ask the rest of the panel, please. So for
5: me, it, it uh, has nothing to do with the size of the organization.
1: Okay. It has
5: to do with the enlightenment, enlightenment of the leadership team so is it a mandate is it an hr initiative or are you embracing inclusion and creating an inclusive environment because you believe it is a business imperative that by doing so you'll be able to drive revenue and bring greater value to the market um so i think it really comes down to culture and the point of view or perspective of the leadership team
1: okay let's get um uh Tony Wilson, what do you think? You agree, disagree, in um, terms I'm, of the I'm, priorities at um, the top? Absolutely. To I'm sorry. Go ahead.
3: I was going to say I, I absolutely agree um, with with Debbie that it does start from the top. Uh, I think that that commitment needs to be authentic. I think that diversity practitioners internally and externally um, need to become more adept at um, not only defining the business case but also establishing uh, measures that prove the value that diversity and inclusion adds both to the business and to the workforce.
1: Okay. Ray Wong, I know you believe, and I I have some quotes from you from a, uh, I think it was an HR conference you attended recently, and you were saying that HR is reemerging as a boardroom topic. By boardroom, do you mean the executives at the company or the board that may have assigned directors who advise and engage with the management of the company. Talk to me, Ray. How high up is this boardroom topic of D&I coming today?
4: You know, it's happening at the boardroom level, at all levels. It's not just, you know, diversity of boards. Um, it's also been organizations in terms of management team structures, and it's also happening in terms of, you know, what you're doing in terms of replacement workers and in terms of that structure. Um, it's a boardroom issue right now because what's happening is people are trying to address big knowledge gaps. People are also mm-hmm. trying to address, you know, where they're where they're going into new markets, what type of diversity that they need to be able to provide for that. And then also they're also thinking about, you know, what if all we have in terms of a competitive environment and, and let me give you an example in some context mm-hmm. here. I mean, if you're in the fashion business, a knockoff company can take what you put on the runways in Milan out to the stores to Walmart or Target in seven days. Ooh. You can't even compete on product innovation, and product cycles, right? You look at Samsung, they put out a new phone every 32 days, right? So the speed of innovation on the product side is so quick that you barely have a gap. And so it's coming down to people. It's coming down to the type of people you bring inside your organizations that's giving you a competitive advantage. Those organizations that are traditionally manufacturing, thinking every worker could be replaced, we put them on assembly line. I mean, all that thinking is being thrown out the window very quickly as people start to realize that all this automation means we really need good people uh, inside the organizations. We really need good people thinking about where this organization is gonna go. We really need to build agility inside an organization. And that's where this diversity inclusion comes. Into play.
1: Ray, I want to expand to one more talking point you sent me that I, I think is very important. We've been talking, I believe, mostly about the inside of the organization looking out at the candidates. How are they recruiting them? How are they finding them? What's the digit- In other words, we're looking down from our so-called ivory tower to say, oh, who would be the next person who would be right for this team, right for this management group, right for whatever is on the strategic roadmap for our company. But let's talk about what you call the war for talent, Ray Wong. You say the war for talent is real. Let me add to that, the graying of the baby boomer generation. Thanks, Ray. I'm still a redhead. And the arrivals of millennials <laughs> creates a huge knowledge gap inside organizations. Let's not talk about the knowledge gap. But the war for talent is real. So my question to you and the rest of the panel, and we've got four minutes left till we take our final break. Yes, we skipped the midway break, kids. Uh, the question is if companies are espousing D and I, we are a company that embraces diversity. We want different points of view, different voices, we want different backgrounds, everything. Are they going to be attracting The best talent today, Ray. In other words, is the talent looking for a company that has a rich D&I diversity and inclusion policy and practices? Talk to me.
4: I think it's actually very generational for me, and and this might sound funny, is I don't even think about that as an issue. I, I, I automatically assume that it's there. So if it's not there, I find it to be a huge gap. Um, I think for other folks, I mean, even younger than myself, I would say that I don't. I think they've grown up in an era in many organizations and especially in tech, where they've seen that diversity happen, right? They've seen the global workplace occur. Um, But what we're not seeing is. I would say I'll throw another piece of diversity here that's very important is mm-hmm. we're living in a quarter-to-quarter, even a month-to-month culture. We're very short-term in thinking. And when we put when I put out that statement, I was thinking about the folks that were planners, people that thought in much longer time periods. They thought about the long-term consequences of a policy decision and inside an organization. And I think being able to pair up someone that's got an age gap between 20 and 25 years um, within it, each other is actually very rewarding because for the folks that really have a lot of experience, those are ch- to mentor and impart some knowledge. For the folks that actually are learning, here's a chance to grow their career without feeling they're competing with their bosses on the way up. And I think that's really important as as you start thinking about that graying of the baby boomer generation and this tribal knowledge that's going away.
1: Tribal knowledge, I like that. Thank you, Ray. Uh, Tony Wilson, you want to comment on what Ray said about the war for talent, Uh, the real war for talent?
3: Yeah, and I I actually also want to make a comment about um, the board. Um, I, I think that, that what we forget is that the board of directors is essentially who the CEO reports to, and that that's the, that's the body that holds the CEO accountable for what happens in the business.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: leading-edge organizations in, have decided to um, invest board time and attention to diversity and inclusion by creating um, diversity committees on the board. Those committees typically focus not just on the demographic makeup of the workforce, um, but they're looking at succession. They're looking at how strong is the pipeline of talent and how diverse is that pipeline of talent um, that the CEO and his or her senior team should be developing and then holding them obviously um, accountable for, for some results in, in that space. So I just I wanted to add that. Um, There's one other comment that I'd like to make, and uh, I I know we're moving at a a quick pace, but I think it's it's important for for me to say this, that diversity and inclusion is just that. It is about inclusion, and there is a group that when we typically talk about D&I, we don't put as much emphasis on inviting them to the conversation or the table, Mm -hmm. and that's the straight white male. We can't talk about inclusion and not include them in the conversation in a, in a constructive and productive and positive way. So I, I, I feel better having having said that. In terms of the war for, for, for talent, I, I think that Ray is, uh, is, is actually um, spot on. I think it ties back to his comment about performance and execution, that mm-hmm. uh those entering the workforce, we talk a little bit about the triple bottom line, people, planet, and profit. And that is to say that candidates have choices about where they choose to spend um, their their talent currency. And they're looking at, is this an organization where I can make a difference, where my voice is going to be heard, where my talent is going to be maximized? Is this an organization that is also socially responsible and paying attention to its footprint on the planet? And is this an organization that has long-term sustainable um, potential? It's Like Jim Collins said, you know, good is the enemy of great. And so to the extent that, that organizations have great talent and have the capacity to leverage innovation and have, most importantly, the talent and capacity to reinvent themselves consistently and to be agile, as Ray has mentioned over and over again, To me, that's the promise, the hope, and the sweet spot, if you will, of uh, effective diversity and inclusion processes. And
1: Thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. You know what? We're going to take a break. I haven't given the panel a break in almost a half hour. I've been so cruel to you. But these conversations are so good, I didn't want to interrupt. Guess what? Ray and Jim and Tony and Debbie, quickly run out to the garage, the attic, the car, the basement, or the boat shed, and find the crystal ball. I know you have one. I want you to polish it off, dust it off, shine it up. When we come back in one minute, I'm going to ask you to predict what will this conversation be like if we met again five years from today? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to HR Trends with Game Changers, a very meaningful and profound conversation about D and I, diversity and inclusion, outreach beyond imagination, a wealth of knowledge here. Hope you're listening and taking notes. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Brad, out.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise today's reality, your HR department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. enjoying hr trends with game changers presented by sap email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at twitter hashtag sap r-a-d-i-o now let's get back to hr trends with game changers
1: Here we are. We're going to do one-minute prediction shots. Forgive me, but New Year's is coming. I'm thinking ahead. Let's start with Jim Norman. Jim, you're an HR diversity consultant. Talk to me. What do you see if we had this conversation five years Uh, from today uh, in 2018?
2: Go. Just mention one stat. As 70% of the entrants in the workforce are going to be women, people people of color, immigrants, the issue will move away from diversity to inclusion and we will also w- look at how do we develop the talent that we lost along the way. There are a whole group of people in the U.S. and around the globe that have lost out because they don't have the requisite skills. I think we're going to be training and learning organizations if we're going to continue to thrive.
1: Thank you, Jim. and to the point, appreciate that. Tony Wilson, talk to me. Crystal Ball, five years from today, or you pick the time frame. Go.
3: Okay, five, five years from today, I think we're going to be talking about something I'll call diversity 4.0. I think eventually we'll even drop the word um, diversity. I, I may, I'm not so sure that we'll even have the word inclusion in there. Um, I think that the conversation is going to be far more um, global, and because of that global perspective, we may find ourselves using words like um, dignity and respect. We might find our words uh, ourselves using words like innovation. Uh, and it doesn't matter where it comes from.
1: You mean old fashioned words like dignity and respect are going to see a resurgence of popularity, Absolutely. Tony? Absolutely. How revolutionary, how disruptive. That leads me, you're, you're, you're doing less than a minute. We're going to have time left over. Ray Wong, talking about disruptive technologies. Uh, talk to me. What do you see five years from today in our conversation about DNI? Would we be having this conversation, Ray?
4: I think we'll still be having this conversation because we as human beings always find reasons to include and exclude people and we will be excluding and including machines and robots that are sentient uh, along the way as well. And I think that's going to happen. I think back to the other point on dignity and respect, I think that's going to be really important. I think how people communicate dignity and respect or express that is going to be a big issue in the workplace given the fact that we've got so many different cultures, so many different generations, so many different points of view use so i I really like that point
1: ray quick question for you you started constellation research you said a constellation of stars i I hope you don't mind my asking this but you're a a small firm i believe And you look do you look for diversity in your researchers and your analysts so that you know you will provide a richly diverse and inclusive point of view in what you talk about as a group of constellation is that part of the dna of what you do when you bring people in
4: we do, and we're not very open about it, but we do do that. And I'd say we've got a great diversity from different ethnicities, different age groups, uh, different sexual preferences, different um, perspectives from cultural um, immigrants, people who have been here across different generations. Um, and so it just happens, I think, it's because talent is, just works that way. Um, so it's not that we expressively look for that. We just look for the best people, and we've noticed that they happen to be very diverse.
1: Interesting. So I would call that organic diversity inclusion. Would you say, Ray? It's something that just it just happens.
4: I think we just look for the best people, and, and they're they're all out there. And I think the diversity is out there. We don't take another lens and discriminate against people in certain areas or block people in different areas. We just say, hey, look, let's find the best people and go for it. Don't care about all these other things. We think it's important because it brings out you know a better relationship, better client engagement.
1: Thank you for your candor, Ray. hope I didn't put pressure on you, but I appreciate the honest answer very much. It's good to know. And let's turn to Debbie Schmidt from SAP. Debbie, five years from today, will we be talking about D&I or, D&I or tell me what?
5: So I changed the time frame to 10 years from now, and I don't okay. think we'll be talking about diversity and inclusion at all. I, I am optimistic that we will recognize that uh, that's, got to be our standard operating procedure in terms of how we run our businesses if we expect to retain the right talent and deliver the best solutions and the greatest value to our customers.
1: Thank you very much. And you all left me just enough time to do my predictions. Mine are very, very short-sighted. I'm talking about tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Tomorrow on Coffee Break with Game Changers, Wednesday, 8 a.m., Pacific 11 Eastern, I'm going to be talking about a great topic for the holidays, leveraging tech donations. That's technology donations around the world to help transform NGOs and NPOs. It's part one. We had such a big panel that we divided into part one and part two. So we will tackle that tomorrow. Then on Thursday, Startup Focus with Game Changers. We'll talk about the pros and cons of VC funding. You've been funded. What happens when you get in bed with the board? Oh, Bonnie, don't go there. And next Tuesday, in this same spot, Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 Eastern, as I mentioned, we start a brand-new series called Biz Buzz with Game Changers. We'll be getting our topics from strategic partners of SAP. The first topic up comes from Accenture, I believe, and the topic will be marketing to millennials. Who, what, why, when, where, and how can you really market? to millennials, or are they going to catch on too fast? I want to do shout-outs to our wonderful guest today, Jim Norman. Tony Wilson, Ray Wong, Debbie Schmidt, great thinkers, great speakers. Thank you for being so candid and playing so openly in the sandbox. Had a great time speaking with you. And shout-outs to the people who brought us HR Trends with Game Changers. Liz Brenner, thank you so much for sponsoring the series. Tom Flanagan, we miss you, but I know you're out there. You're working on Biz Buzz with me. Brian Barnhart, tweeter extraordinaire. Malcolm Kimberly my co-producer overall. Brad and the Business Channel team. And remember, HR Trends returns with brand-new episodes on March twenty fifth, 2014. Can you wait for it? Okay, kids, here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt, Ray, Tony, Jim, and Debbie. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham for HR Trends with Game Changers. See you tomorrow on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Have a great one. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.